Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you need a lawyer? If you need legal assistance and don't know where to turn, the Lawyer Referral Service can help. Whether you're buying a home, going through a divorce, resolving employment issues, or writing a will, most of us will need a lawyer for life's big events. The Lawyer Referral Service is here to help connect you with an experienced attorney in your area. 30-minute consultations are no more than $50. To learn more, visit scbar.org slash LRS. That's scbar.org slash LRS. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. AAA Air when you need us. AAA Heating and Air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And J.J. has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like, the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. A dude. A dude in the weight room. Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark here with me. Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson Fowler here with you. Talking lots of South Carolina Charlotte today. Talking about dudes in the weight room. All sorts of football stuff as the Gamecocks get closer and closer. What are Charlotte? They're 49ers. Is that right, guys? That's correct. Correct. Yeah. So the Gamecocks get ready to take on the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Chris, I, I put you on the spot yesterday. We were finishing up lunch. I said, all right, you better go watch that Charlotte-Georgia State game because mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you about it. Did you get a chance to watch some of it? I watched all of it. You watched all In of fact, it? Yes. Pretty yesterday, exciting game, when right? I, when I got home, I, I kept my promise. Good for you. What would you see? Well, you know, they, they still struggled on defense. It's kind of odd because you're sitting there going, oh, they did they did some things here and there defensively against Georgia State. Georgia State, you came away feeling like they they didn't run the ball that great against Charlotte. And you look at the box score, and they had a couple hundred yards rushing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the, and the biggest thing is they gave up 41 points, which is um, that's actually tied for their best, quote-unquote, performance defensively of this year. They gave up uh, 56 to Maryland, who's been pretty good offensively this year. 
Um, they gave up 43 to FAU, Florida Atlantic, and 41 each to Georgia State and Bill and Mary. And that's not uh, Lane Kiffin's FAU Owls it, it anymore. Is, it is indeed not. Can confirm. Um, offensively, you know, Charlotte is much better on that side of the ball. Um, they have a quarterback in Chris Reynolds I know we're going to dive into today who is now back. And as Wes Mitchell wrote on GamecockCentral.com, it, it is definitely a different team with him. Um, they've got some receivers who can do some things in space. Their play style, you know, they do some RPO stuff, some zone read. Um, when you look at this matchup, t- kind of bringing it forward to the South Carolina game, you know, South Carolina has five DBs, questionable. Mm-hmm. So you go, okay. Um, but that, that's kind of what I saw, in a, and I know we'll get more into it, but just in a, in a general sense, a team that's, you know, they, they have some, there's some opportunities that should certainly be there for South Carolina in this game on the offensive side of the ball against Charlotte's defense. But offensively, you know, Charlotte's a team that can cause you some problems, I think. So the transitive property of football is obviously fraught. You can't just say, well, this <laughs> yeah. team beat this team. And so, but this is kind of a fun and interesting situation where there's going to be a full round robin. Carolina will have played Georgia State, Georgia State is playing Charlotte, and then Carolina's playing mm-hmm. Charlotte. So there should be an established hierarchy here. And from that, to your point, you can glean, all right, Georgia State only managed to score 14 points against South Carolina. They scored 41 against Charlotte. The flip side, you know, Carolina was only able to score two touchdowns offensively, I'll say, 14 points, you know, give them 20 if you count the field goals, and then a couple of special teams touchdowns with a two-point conversion in there. Carolina was only able to score two touchdowns against uh, Georgia State. Charlotte was able to score 42 points against Georgia State. So what do you do with that, or are the contexts of the game so different that it's not worth doing that game? And one of those, not that this is going to, your point still very valid, Uh, Charlotte had a scoop and score. A hashtag scoop and score. Um, yeah, hashtag scoop and score. Yeah. F- one of their touchdowns, so I guess they put up 35. Right. I, you know, th- there is there is a point to be made in that that does illustrate that South Carolina's offense has not been good enough this year, which we have talked about at length. So we, we know that. Um, I think every game is the same. There's a lot of scoring in that Georgia State Charlotte game just to begin with kind of a different game flow and mm. and things like that and obviously you, one of the things you look at in the South Carolina game is Georgia State they ran the ball they didn't have much success passing the ball is a different type of game but this is one of the reasons that we go in even against the Charlotte defense it's going to be very undermanned you know from a talent standpoint you, you're still improvement mode with the South Carolina offense we can look at it and say well this this should happen this should happen but it has not. It didn't against Georgia State. It didn't until you know, only in spots against Arkansas. Certainly didn't against Georgia. So even if there's some opportunities there and they have the talent advantage, something they still got to do. And I think it's still a concern until they do it. So the one thing that I'm wondering, uh, Chris Reynolds back for Charlotte, and it's an offense that's scored some points that certainly did against Georgia State more than Carolina did, um, which is fine, or you know an equivalent amount, whatever. However you want to. What what's the difference? Well, how much extra dynamicism? He was supposed to be the starter for the reason, or for a reason. He's back in the mix. Um, how, how much of a threat will he be to a South Carolina team that still may be down five starters on defense? Yeah, I mean, I I think I mean this kid is like literally the best player in their history statistically. <laughs> but now it's a what a 
10 season history. Like they haven't had football for a while, but um, his numbers, uh, you know, he's their all time leading passer for a career, all time leading passer, uh, touchdowns in a career, has the season record for, for each as well. So, uh, you know, you look at their point total, uh, you know, the first three games of the year when he missed two and a half of those games and, you know, really wasn't a very good offense. And then you look at what they did against Georgia State and you say, okay, this is a guy. He just he has the keys to the offense, right? Like he he understands it incredibly well. He distributes the ball. Um, you know, not the biggest guy. Like you can see why he wasn't more highly recruited. But um, as far so he's not gonna be like an NFL guy. He's not the person that you look out there like a KJ Jefferson and you're like, wow, that's a mm-hmm. physically imposing guy. But he's those quarterback. He's one of those quarterbacks that just is very annoying to watch if you're playing against him or your team is playing against him because. Um, he knows where the ball is supposed to go. Um, he's willing to get out there and just flick the ball out for, for four yards on first down and keep things moving and keep things ahead of the chains. And um, he's one of these guys that will, you know, throw the ball from a three-quarter angle if he needs to and just flip it out there. I, I thought he had a really quick release. And, um, you know, he, he kind of just makes their offense go. But they, they have some weapons around him. Like, this is a team that, really has struggled on defense, but you look at their talent on offense, like they have some guys. Um, Elijah Spencer is from right down the road at Dutch Fork. Um, He was like the freshman of the year, I think, in their conference and was someone, I never had this confirmed, but it was rumored when South Carolina came in. So Elijah's a sophomore. Um, That would have been like South Carolina's first class where they were trying to kind of just... Beamer's first class? Yeah, yeah, on the fly, Mm -hmm. kind of figure things out. And it was rumored Carolina, like, kind of tried to make a last-minute run at him because he had been committed to Charlotte for a while. Like, this was a kid that locally people were kind of saying, hey, he's he's a, that's a really good get for Charlotte. So you look at their receivers. They have Elijah. He already is, as expected, uh, their leading receiver, at least in terms of yardage. Um, they have a guy, um, Nolan Gruel, who uh, I think started his career at Wake Forest. He was like a pretty highly recruited guy, South Carolina went after him, actually had offered him hmm. during the recruiting process. Um, I mean, they've played four games, but, guys, they already have Spencer with 16 catches for 319, uh, Grant DeBose, 25 catches for 314, uh, Victor Tucker, 24 catches for 233. So yeah. they've spread the ball around, and they've put up some numbers so far. But this is not going to be the game where Carolina's run defense is tested or really has an opportunity to prove themselves, like Charlotte's rushing totals. There, I, I'm getting a vibe from this game, and tell me if this is right or wrong. This feels like the East Carolina matchups from the early and mid-2010s. Those real quick-strike offenses try to keep you off balance. You know, Not that it feels gimmicky exactly, but you know, games that often felt like they were a little bit closer than they should have been just because of the kind of offense they were running, keep them off balance, and especially if South Carolina's down some defensive backs. I'm not hedging here and trying to prepare the fan base for South Carolina to you know, not cover the 21-point spread or whatever, but just stylistically, it feels like it might be one of those games. Is that is that a fair comparison? Yeah, I think so, man. When you look at the weapons they have, I think this could be one of those games where Charlotte has far more success, um, potentially inside the 20s. Like, a lot of times, I feel like when you play those teams, mm-hmm. they'll kind of go up and down the field on you, and it's very frustrating to watch as a fan. And then... Most of the time, uh, kind of the the SEC size and playmaking ability kind of takes over. There's smaller windows, obviously. And a lot of times those teams, I feel like in the past, 
will put up some numbers uh, in terms of yardage. And then when the field condenses inside the red zone, inside the 10, uh, the strength of, you know, an SEC defense kind of takes over because they, they can't run the ball quite as well. And then you'll have a turnover here or there from like a batted pass or just a little bit smaller window where a quarterback mm-hmm. tries to fit it in. So it, it wouldn't shock me if they do have some success. Um, you know, I think they're going to – like they're not going to come in here and get shut out in my opinion. Like they're going to score um, some points. And, again, this Carolina defense that is still finding itself, um, these young guys are going to have to – like these are two really important weeks not just for the offense but for these players on the defense for Carolina that they're going to be asking to step into bigger roles – wasn't really fair to ask them to play well, I feel like, against Georgia. Uh, but these next two weeks, they're going to really have to get comfortable and, and get used to playing a lot. Well, let's circle back to that because uh, uh, the theme for this week for me, at least, has been, you know, what where are the, the gray areas, the things that aren't going to show up in the box score that will demonstrate progress to you? We talked yesterday a little bit about the offense, just general cohesiveness, feeling like they have an identity. Let's uh, turn the attention on the defense who has – not performed as well as they need to. You can say because of injuries. You can say, you know, for whatever reason, the offense has gotten the bulk of the attention and it makes sense. The offense has been probably the worst of the two groups, but Carolina gave up 92 combined points in their first two SEC games. So let's talk a little bit uh, on the other side about some of the areas where we would like to and and should be able to measure some improvement for South Carolina in the next couple of weeks. 803-404-6100. That's the Love Chevy phone line number. That is also the text line number. However you want to be a part of the show, you can get us there and get all three of us on Twitter at Pearson Fowler, at West Mitchell GC, and at GC Chris Clark. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.18 on a Thursday morning. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Wes, Chris here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios of 107.5 The Game. Talking about South Carolina. Charlotte, where are the Gamecocks... I mean, really eligible to improve. What are the gray areas? What are the things that do not show up in the box score uh, that we're going to be looking for? What are the things that you are going to be looking for? South Carolina, a three-touchdown favorite against Charlotte, and then next week against SC State probably won't even have a line except for the websites that are for, like, the real degenerates that just need to bet on every single game, which is totally fine. Uh, We'll talk about that as we continue on here on a Thursday morning. Uh, Also, real quick, one of the great sponsors of the Gamecock Central Hour, the folks at Gamecock Moving that even helped Wes Mitchell move, which I'm sure, I mean, I, we work with Wes Mitchell every day. We know how hard it is to work with him, but they did it, and it sounds like they uh, it was a pleasant experience. Yeah, for me, I don't know if it was for them, but I, I just okay. sat back and watched. Uh, Gamecockmoving.com, 803-814-3569. You can call or text. Uh, they offer residential and commercial moving services licensed, bonded, and insured uh, anywhere in the state of South Carolina, as well as assisting and coordinating out-of-state moves. It is wire-to-wire service, um, so it's an hourly charge. So basically, you can have them do basically as little or as much as you would like. So if you want them just to come in, pack up your entire house, move it to the new house, then unpack it for you, they will do that. Or if you just kind of have a bunch of big, like a lot of big stuff that you just need moved and don't want to have to carry it out, don't want to throw out your back, they can just do that as well. It's a two-hour minimum. They have discounts for Prisma Health employees, any college students, not just USC. 
all active duty military personnel, but also right now, if you call them or text them and tell them that you heard about them right here on the Gamecock Central Hour on 107.5, you'll get a discount as well. Gamecockmoving.com, 803-814-3569. So Carolina gave up 48 points last week. Uh, Georgia had their backups in midway through the third quarter. Clayton White was asked yesterday about finding improvement, uh, particularly up front for South Carolina. Right now, it's, you know, it's definitely been a, a difficult thing, but I feel like last week, you know, the running backs each had 30 yards, so we feel like we did improve in that area. So there were some areas that we did improve on, but obviously the quarterback run for like 60, they had a couple reverses, and then, you know, we, we missed a sack here and there, but we feel like there was a small improvement. It don't show on paper, but when we watch the tape, we see things that were improving. We see things that we can get better at. And that's the job of the coaches. You know, it's the job of the fans to be mad that Carolina gave up 48 points, and it's the job of the coaches in a win to say, hey, we weren't good enough, and in a loss to say, hey, there was some improvement here. So uh, I guess first of all, and not, not to circle back to the Georgia game, but in general, does that reflect what you have seen? Um, and I guess moving forward, what are some of the other margins that you'll be looking for, especially for the guys up front, even if not just in the running game, just that defensive line? What are some of the things you're looking for week-to-week improvement? Yeah, I, I thought... I thought I saw some, like, real improvement that didn't necessarily show in the box score against Arkansas. Um, you know, against Georgia, me personally, like, not really. Like, mm-hmm. I, I believe Clayton White watching the film and, like, knowing wh- who was supposed to be where, I'm sure there were things that were improved. But I I think this game, you want to see just guys kind of not have as many busts. You want to see, like, okay, if, if you're – for example, if you're in a cover three and your cornerback is bailing out and they throw a little quick hitch, like that's going to go for four or five yards. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a good call against that defense. But what you don't want to see that do is go for 11 yards because the guy, uh, the linebacker or nickel is slow getting out into the flat and doesn't cut off the angle or the cornerback comes flying up and misses a tackle. So for me... It's about, you know, you, you'll give up the second and five, but you want to keep it right there. So uh, I think missed tackles, once again, an issue this past week. We know they were against Arkansas. Some of that was credit to Arkansas and Georgia, I think. But breaking down, making tackles, not having busts down the seam like we saw in the passing game. And then, you know, I'd like to see on a, a third, let's say there's a third and one or a fourth and one. When you're in a goal line, they're in a goal line. It's just kind of man-on-man. They're trying to get a yard. You're trying to hold them to three-quarters of a yard. Um, just that the strength of your defense takes over against what should be an outmatched opponent. Like, that doesn't necessarily tell us everything's fixed uh, versus SEC opponents, but it does tell us you did what you were supposed to do against a outmatched opponent in those situations. And the flip side for me is, is it's you're right. It's not so much everything's fixed because you did it, but if Carolina can't do it against Charlotte, then a lot of the things that we feel like we've been watching that are sort of bubbling beneath the surface, they're like, oh, is this a problem? All of a sudden, I think that's when you pull the fire alarm. Yeah, same thing with the offense, right? Yeah. Like if Carolina scores, got to just make it up, 42 points in this game, good, right? But not, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. everything's fine now. Yeah. You know, um, I think I would totally agree with Wes, like do what you're supposed to do so – don't get gashed in the run game. I, I really think it'll be interesting to see what Charlotte's game plan offensively is because, you know, 
on one hand, you say, ah, well, maybe they call it differently than they get against Georgia State, where they're finding matchups and a lot of one-on-one situations for their receivers. You might say, well, you don't feel as good about doing that against a Power 5 SEC team. On the other hand, South Carolina is very beat up in the secondary. So mm-hmm. that's one question. I mean, yeah. that's one way you get better that you can't really control. If you don't have Cam Smith and Darius Rush and R.J. Roderick, will be a backup now, but still, he's going to probably play mm-hmm. some. Um, Devani questionable, Devani too. Devani right? questionable, right? So when you're missing David Spaulding, like he'll play some, you're missing five guys in the secondary, two to three, four, two to four are starters right now, mm-hmm. then that's a, a difficult thing. So I, I think another area of potential improvement is get some opportunities to be in the right place to get the ball off of somebody. Mm-hmm. South Carolina has, what, one turnover. If you don't count turnovers on downs, they've taken the ball off somebody once. They have not done it against Arkansas or against Georgia. They didn't do it. Clayton White spoke to that yesterday. Uh, he said, hey, it's about being in the right place. Nobody's going to lay the ball down for you or hand it to you at, at this level. So I, th- I think that's an area to look for. And what I noticed watching Chris Reynolds against Georgia State, accurate quarterback, but he's not afraid to throw it up one-on-one, and he'll try to fit it into some tight windows. He put the ball in danger a couple times. So can South Carolina's defense capitalize on those opportunities? And I I think that um, the lack of turnovers is more of like a symptom than it is just something you do. Yeah, I I think you you got to have tighter windows defensively in order to create the batted passes that, that, end up being interceptions and um, you have to tackle better in order to be in a situation to so you know where maybe a hand gets put on a football or a helmet gets put on a football the better you tackle the better there is a chance that that ball is going to go flying out well and, and let me say the more you tackle too again Nick and Worry 14 solo tackles on Saturday like on the surface good for him I think most everybody recognized that's not a good stat he leads the nation right now in fact and solo tackles, you want multiple guys flocking to the ball. Clayton White has talked about it, you know, multiple times since he's been here. The way they could, because it was last year, they forced more turnovers than anyone in the SEC. That that was never going to be a sustainable number. They probably were never going to do that again this year, but they should have forced more than one. But to your point, you know, he said you stop the you stop the the ball carrier, and then the second guy comes in and he's punching the ball, and the third mm-hmm. guy comes in and he's punching the ball. If you're only getting one guy to the ball carrier at any given time, you're never going to get the football off him. Yeah, and I, I've never really thought about it in this context until right now. But, you know, if, if you're, to your point, if you're one guy is having to come in and clean up the play and drag the offensive player down, um, the offensive player by that point has covered the ball up. They know you're coming. They're, they know they're about to get hit and tackled. Um, turnovers a lot of times happen when, you know, you're creating some some penetration in the backfield. There's a tackle for loss when – it's an aggressive play by the defense and maybe a guy gets hit uh, incredibly hard or just gets hit before he's even ready to get hit he gets hit in the backfield right after he gets the football all of these things that are just normal you know good football mm-hmm. like you would say that's a great defensive play can in turn create these turnovers we're talking about so it's not like again to Clayton White's point it's not like it just automatically means you're going to get turnovers. They're not going to hand you the ball. Mm-hmm. But if you do all these other things correctly, right. the percentages that you're going to get a turnover, yeah. I think are going to go up. But also, you know, if you're if you're playing Arkansas 
and they're constantly in second and four and third and one and not put in a position to have to put the ball in danger, that doesn't create – if you're Spencer Rattler and you're getting hit when you throw or you're in third and long – And you're chasing a game by three touchdowns where you're having to air it out. Or exactly. You like you out. You're having to fit the yeah. ball. You're having to take more chances. So and all inter- interceptions play are, in. you know, too, I, I think are a little – um, not like pattern based, but interceptions are like replicable. Like quarterbacks that throw a lot of interceptions, throw a lot of interceptions. Defensive backs that are good at getting the ball, get the ball. Fumbles are a little bit more random. But to your point, Wes, uh, like Marshawn Lloyd's fumble against Arkansas, that wasn't a spectacular defensive play. He got hit by two defenders because they were both rallying to the ball. They hit him on each side of his body, so he didn't. I mean, he even looked like he was covering up the football. Okay, but that just happens when you have two guys hitting an offensive player at the same time. So I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, I think I know where Wes is going to go, at least since you've your uh, position that the turnovers are more of a symptom. So if Carolina forces a bunch of turnovers, that doesn't mean that everything's fixed necessarily. But if Carolina gives up 500 yards of offense to Charlotte, I don't care about points, 500 total yards of offense, but they force three turnovers. They get the ball to the 49ers three times. Or they hold them to 300 yards of total offense, but still don't force a turnover. Which one of those represents more improvement for South Carolina's defense? You want to go first, Chris? Yeah, I would say uh, I'd say the three hundred yards. Okay, because I mean turnovers. Even though I mean I know we just did a whole segment, not, which I agreed with totally, <laughs> but they still were a little bit randomized. Yeah, okay. You know, I mean it still depends on other factors. You're giving yourself a much better chance when you do those things. On the flip side, think about it this way. South Carolina gives up 500 yards to Charlotte, and they get some turnovers. Well, my my question is, okay, how many more yards are they going to give up to Tennessee? Mm. And then are is there going to be as tight windows and more are you relying as, on as many opportunities? To keep them off the right. To, yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's more about the yardage. I think that's probably sense. the right answer. The only other counterpoint is something else that Clayton White has said in the past: that turnovers come in bunches. It's like forcing turnovers makes you force more turnovers, kind of. I don't know if that's an offensive philosophy, like they're pushing more or the defense just feels more confident in their ability to get the ball off the defense. But just want to throw that out there. I, I, I think your answer is right. But, Wes? Yeah, I, I think that is the right answer. But I also think if you were doing the things that would make you have that great of a defensive performance, the turnovers are probably eventually going to come. So Wes's answer is 300 yards and three turnovers. Yes, but I, I, I think those are. I think that's a better sign that you're playing yeah. fundamentally sound yeah. defense. Like I didn't look at the Georgia or Arkansas game and say, "Man, they almost had a turnover there." They all it, you know, they had there was the fumble that they reviewed by yeah. KJ Jefferson yeah. that you know did it did it roll out of the back of the end zone or did it go out of bounds or was it a touchdown? Other than that, I mean, it wasn't. And that wasn't even forced by the defense. That was just him sticking the ball out. <laughs> yeah, that's it, when he's going in to score. Yeah. Yeah. The other one where he threw the ball, Darius Rush, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that was close-ish. Oh, on the sideline? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the play it, where you actually make him. And that's an example of some, you got yeah. pressure on right. him. You, yeah. did the, you didn't quite finish the play, but you there were some good things going on defensively. You had good coverage down the field. You had pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He was forced to actually throw the ball into danger, which he, he ended up getting it out of bounds anyway. But that, say he didn't make the play, and Cam Smith has missed the last game and might miss another game. So that was a, <laughs> yeah, that was a very costly play for Carolina great. in that moment. Um, one other, by the way, mm-hmm. thing, and I'm going to loop in the stat of the day or whatever we call it. We don't stat have that, but I just invented it. Stat of the day. So 
One other area to look for in terms of improvement is the defensive line versus Charlotte's offensive line. They need to have their best game by far, mm-hmm. you know, because if they don't, if we're not seeing pressure on Chris Reynolds, if they're getting out of pushed out of gaps in their own game, that's not a good sign for the SEC slate. Yeah. You know, um, Carolina has not pressured the quarterback consistently enough, as we know. They did a good job against Georgia State. Arkansas, they had some opportunities, and, and I think you chalked that up, KJ Jefferson. So we'll see, but I think you need to see them have more consistent pressure up front. Um, Carolina hasn't been good enough there. Here's where the stat comes in. Carolina, one of the worst in the country in terms of sacks, just one on the year. Mm-hmm. But guess who is tied for worst in the country? I know the answer. All I right. know the answer. Pick me. Pick right. me. Wes. Wes. The answer is going to be Georgia. That is right. Oh. Georgia wow. has one sack, which huh. is tied with Air Force, Ball State, Eastern Michigan, and Utah State. One sack for nine yards in three games. That's really um, weird. S- sacks are like wins for Major League Baseball pitchers now. Yeah. They yeah. don't matter. Well, that- yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I'm we're on the same wavelength because I was going to ask you that in ge- just in general about sacks. You already had the stat. Let me put a pin in that. We're coming back to it because South Carolina's defensive line, I agree. They need to get better this week. I wonder what the opportunities available to them will be just based on the way that Charlotte plays offense and the way that football's played now. So 803-404-6100. Want to keep hearing from you guys in the Love Chevy phone line or in the text line. However, you want to be a part of the show and get all of us on Twitter, at Pearson Fowler, at West Mitchell GC, and at GC Chris Clark. A little more on South Carolina's defensive line against Charlotte's offense next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.38 Thursday morning and welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Here on 107.5 The Game. Wes, Chris, Pearson here with you and want to remind you to join the halftime show live this Friday, tomorrow, out from Palmetto Propane from 12 to 3. You can come out for your chance to win football tickets, Traeger Wood Pellet Grill demonstrations, $8 grill tank refills, free food, plus enter for a chance to win a Traeger Grill. That is tomorrow from 12 to 3 out of Palmetto Propane in Lexington. That is 1456 North Lake Drive. So we left things off. It was quite a cliffhanger. Talking about sacks. Sacks in modern college football. Sacks even for South Carolina this weekend. Chris had the stat of the day. Didn't even give you a ding for it. There you go. Georgia tied for last in the country with a sack. A A single. Yeah. What does Carolina have? Two, three? They have uh, two. Two? Yep. So not great. Not great, Bob. As uh, what's his name? Vincent Carthizer. Uh, Pete Campbell. As Pete Campbell would say, not great, Bob. Um, But I just got a text here. So did West just say that sacks don't matter? I get he's trying to say it's all about pressuring the quarterback, sack or no, but the difference between a quarterback throwing it away on first and 10 due to pressure and a quarterback taking an eight-yard loss on first and 10 is enormous. I don't think that was no. what you meant, but like, who gets sacks anymore? All offenses are geared to not get, like, Charlotte's going to get the ball out faster than you can get a sack. Arkansas and Georgia State didn't want to throw the ball. They didn't need to. You know, they, they, again, there were opportunities against Arkansas, but... Yeah, who gets sacks? Arkansas. Yeah? You just mentioned them. They have okay. 17. 17? Ooh. But I haven't I haven't broken that out. 
Wow. I, I, I feel like even though I rose, Wes, since you were addressed directly, you need to be able to respond first. But I do have a follow up. Yeah, come come on, guys. Like you knew what I meant. <laughs> like I, if you say anything on Twitter or on the radio, like somebody's going to be like, "Oh, did you just say that?" You knew what I meant. I, sex obviously matter. It's just like if if you're a pitcher and you won twenty games in a season, you must have been doing something right. If you get a sack, obviously that's a big play. But you you play teams that get the ball out fast. This your sacks. The the better sentence, if I spell it out, is that. The number of sacks you are getting is not a direct representation of whether you are good at getting pressure on an opposing quarterback. You could be the best pressuring team in the country, not saying South Carolina is. Georgia is probably pretty good at getting pressure. They didn't have a single sack against South Carolina. They had one against South Carolina because there were a lot of throwaways. So here's the thing. If you're playing a team that just gets the ball out quick, throws the ball in the perimeter, or if you're playing Georgia State who runs the ball far more than they pass the ball in a if they're doing what they want to do, Arkansas runs the ball more than they pass the ball, you're not going to have as many sacks. The the thing you're looking for, in my opinion, is pressure rate. If there's if there's quick throws, do you get your hands up? Do you affect windows? Do you affect the quarterback? Yes, everybody would love to be leading the country in sacks. I get it. But um, it do, it's not a great stat. It's not a great representation of where you are as a pass rush team. But if you do get a lot of sacks, you're probably very good at rushing the passer. Yeah, probably. Probably. Or you've played three teams that run, that are terrible at it's protecting awful, the quarterback yeah. and actually yeah, have offenses three times. that drop back and throw the ball down the field yeah. as opposed to running but it's first. It's just so weird. Like, nobody does that anymore. And I think it's it's like sack numbers. I've, I don't know this. I'd have to do some research. But it feels like sack numbers have gone down, like, pretty precipitously in the last 15 to 20 years. And it feels like, if anything, sacks have become more important just because there's more of a premium on them because, like, I, I don't know if anybody's going to have a four-and-a-half sack game again just because nobody plays offense like that. I say four and a half sack again for Carolina, like Clowney had one. Clowney, yeah. yeah. Navy has nine sacks in just in just two games. They're fourth in the country. They're mm-hmm. zero and two. So, I mean, do you have pressure rate stats there too, or just sacks? I, I rounded up some. There's not like a national pressure rate stat. PFF okay. has some stuff, and it's not. Wes probably knows how to do it, and I don't. I d- I did compare UGA and, and South Carolina on that front, which is kind of interesting. But one more thing, so Nick Saban had one of his famous rants about sacks one time. It was in 2009. Let me read you the quote. I won't be as effective. I don't have a Saban voice, and you definitely can't see the hand movements that he would definitely be doing. Sacks have nothing to do with winning, nothing at all. There's no stat in the NFL that says how many sacks you're getting contributes to winning. It's good to affect the quarterback. This was after, I think, the Arkansas game. We affected the guy because he was throwing it so fast we couldn't sack him. To me, that's affecting the quarterback, is it not? You can't hold it to throw it down the field. Um, he said, you don't have to sack him to affect him. He said, we won a lot of games last year without getting many sacks, 12 in a row, actually. You know, I hope we elect to kick ass is what I hope we do. <laughs> I don't have a reason to Perfect. break that out too often. But. No, I mean, you, you got to try to shoehorn that in there, though. Yeah, shout out to uh, you. Oh, nice. Another shoe. Um, 
anyway, we um one more one more. Chris has that real written notes over here now. I know, yeah. A note card. What is that? Oh, so Georgia and South Carolina. We we can all agree Georgia's really good defensively. It appears mm-hmm. we'll see how the rest of the season goes. They certainly look good. Um, Georgia has South Carolina has thirty one hurries this season mm-hmm. and fourteen or er, twenty two total pressures. No, that's not right. They have 31 hurries, and Georgia has 45. So they've been, you know, better on that front. But Georgia's point is, you want to affect the quarterback more. Is Sacks a way to do that? Certainly. Well, think about how different the game would have been if, if like, all the opportunities that Carolina had on K.J. Jefferson in the Arkansas game had actually, you know, if they they finished those plays off, you know, maybe doesn't represent the difference in a win and a loss, but... Right, it would I mean, make a difference. That is a there is a lot of opportunity left on the field for South Carolina. So so real quick on this, and, and this is like the only reason that I brought this up was to say when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Charlotte's going to try to throw the ball quickly, like most offenses do. It's a lot of RPO kind of stuff. It's a lot of get the ball out quickly. They're also not going to run the football a ton, especially compared to the, well, you know, maybe about as much as Georgia, but certainly less than Arkansas and Georgia State. So what opportunities will South Carolina's defensive line have to demonstrate, you know, any kind of, how do they impact the game on Saturday? The defensive line? Yeah. Well, first of all, don't, don't allow Charlotte to run the ball. But, but they think, don't even try as much as most of the teams Carolina's played this year. Y- yeah, I mean, not not so far. Um, they will run some RPO stuff, but there there are some instances where Charlotte asks Chris Reynolds to stand back there and find somebody. Now, he has pretty good pocket presence. He can navigate the pocket. He can get outside. Wes mentioned some of his, like, off-platform type throws. He, he threw a, a screen pass from the one-yard line to a receiver the other day because he got it out extremely quickly. He had a... Uh, very effective but very weird looking like shovel pass where he kind of pump fakes somebody and he went for a touchdown <laughs> so he he's got some savvy to him so i think it really comes back to making him make mistakes when he can't get the ball out quickly give him tight windows where he's throwing incompletions on the short rpo stuff and then for carolina's db's play tight coverage so you're making him try to manufacture something move out of the pocket now you've got an opportunity to pressure him into making a mistake. Hmm. Uh, Will Helms has some really good numbers on Spencer Rattler with that in mind, you know, getting the ball out quickly, efficiency, those kinds of things. Have y'all seen that yet? Yeah, really I, yeah I, I glanced at it. His, his analytics stuff is is really good and, and enlightening. Um, I will say to, to Chris's point real quick, I think against these RPO teams, if you can play some – there's a little bit of like rushing cover here where they're like connected – 
if you can play tight outside and play some man coverage and keep those short passes sort of a little bit limited, like if the guy is looking to make that short throw and it's not there, then what was a quick pass becomes like potentially a really weird almost coverage sack Mm -hmm. and that the quarterback kind of has to figure something out really quickly because the line, in some cases of an RPO, the line is run blocking. So there's not a normal protection in place. And then that that's how you kind of blow up those plays, I feel like, is the cornerback plays very, very well, and then you hope your D-line at that point has been able to get into the backfield. Yeah. 803-404-6100, any more thoughts that you have on this matchup specifically, Carolina's defensive line against uh, Charlotte's offense, let us know. Love Chevy phone line, text line, Twitter, at Chris Clark, G- no, at GC Chris Clark. That's the first time I've gotten that wrong. And I mean, I guess we haven't been doing it that long, like two months now, but. Good right. It's yeah. good right. Well, y'all, and y'all, y'all did that just to confuse people. At GC Error Chris on the Clark, play. At West Mitchell GC, at Pearson Fowler. Uh, we'll, we'll flip the tables a little bit, talk about Carolina's offense. Uh, for a lot of people, the less interesting matchup just because Charlotte's defense is bad, but South Carolina's offense has also been bad. So we'll see what happens when a stoppable force meets a movable object next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.53 Thursday morning. couple minutes left here in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell here with you talking Carolina and Charlotte. Of course, plenty more tomorrow in terms of matchups, keys to the game. But South Carolina... A three-touchdown favorite against Charlotte. They've given up a lot of points to everyone that they have played this year. 56 to Maryland, 41 to Bill and Mary, 43 to FAU, 41 to Georgia State. They're one and three. Carolina should score a lot of points. What should those points look like? I was just going to say they've given up 41 or more in seven straight. Oh, wow. I think. Going back to last season. So you need to score... At least six touchdowns if you're South Carolina. For one, I don't care they how you get seven there. this season, right? Or I don't six. care how you get there. I don't know that math. Um, I don't care how you get there. You got to score 42 for one. Um, I don't know if it matters how you get there at all. Like, I, okay. I, I think you just want to, for one, it'd be nice if they started fast. We're going to say that every single week. Until it happens. If they because, score a touchdown for the sixth time since Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer have taken over? against Here's the thing. Against this defense, if you don't... If they don't score a touchdown in the first quarter against this defense, then it's definitely a me problem. You know, you know the it's not me, it's you? Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just an execution issue. Because I don't think... What do you get? Two to three possessions per quarter depending on how it plays out 11 or 12 in a game uh so first quarter you're going to touch the ball two or three times if you don't score a touchdown this saturday within those two or three times then it's it's definitely a thing all right well let me ask you this if it doesn't if, if you're not as concerned about the points and carolina should score a bunch is there a number that if south carolina hits it you will say even though that was charlotte i think things have been if not completely fixed, at least a little bit fixed. Yeah. If they score uh, 77 points, <laughs> a, a touchdown on all 11 possessions, they pull a Bills and they never bring Kai Kroger out on the field. 
Will that make you feel better? Or will I mean, it still be about Charlotte? Yeah, I think you could say better, <laughs> right? Like, because you would go, okay, this is, presumably there would be a lot of good things that happened in the game. So then, <laughs> then to get to 77 points. And so then you could say, okay, there's some things to carry over here. You know, you've probably gotten some, you found some things you, you feel good about against, which one of you guys are talking about doing it against air, basically? <laughs> but, you know. That was some, me. Yeah, that was Wes. So some things that you feel good about that could carry over. But, I mean, remember, what was it, 2019, where South Carolina put up the 70-burger on Charleston Southern, who, oh, was, yeah. who was definitely way worse than Charlotte. Mm-hmm. But they had some big struggles, right, mm-hmm. that year, you know, especially later. That yeah. was the 57 attempts against App State and <laughs> .2 yards a carry game. <laughs> you know, so... I, yeah. I don't. I don't take a lot from it. There's okay. no doubt that as a baseline, they need to be able to score some points. And and look, here's the thing: as to how you get there, it shouldn't be hard. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't look hard. It shouldn't be all explosive plays. You should be able to do what you want. The game plan is: I've seen their secondary on film. I've got Spencer Rattler who can make every throw. I'm going to scheme up one-on-one matchups, and we're going to go pitch it. Mm-hmm. And that's. That should be the game plan. Yeah. Well, and that's you, all it should take. You hit it. Look easy. Yeah. That's what I think most Carolina fans are looking for. We'll talk more tomorrow about what that looks like, have some final predictions, final thoughts on the game, but that is all we have time for today. Appreciate you all listening. Halftime show is coming up next, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Dissecting politics with exclusive interviews, commentary, and humor. Useful Idiots with Katie Halper and Aaron Mate. I really don't like sharks, and I think we live in a very shark-agandistic world. I wish we could just get rid of them as a species, but apparently that would be bad for the food chain. What about you? I live in New York City, so I'm biased to rats. I don't see what they offer. Any rats who watch Useful Idiots, I'm sorry to exclude you. Exclude is a little bit of a euphemism for wishing someone's death. I'm sorry to exclude you from life on Earth. Useful Idiots with Katie Halper and Aaron Mate. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.